0: following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Welcome uh, Mike and Marie Brunk to our service today. We're getting our time a little cut short, but we're going to we're going let you Mike, go until uh, at least 10.35. You can bleed into 10 toward 40 if you wish, so you have the full amount of your time. We have a 15-minute break between services, so we'll just cut that break short so we can start up our worship service.
1: All right. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm Mike. This is Marie. Uh, We've been... uh, We just kind of realized that we've been in South Africa. um, This coming July will be 20 years, uh, which just doesn't seem possible. We've spent half of our married life over here. But... uh, We've been uh, been started a church in 2002 called Katoris Bible Church, um, and this year, as we're going to talk about here in just a couple minutes, we finally found a piece of property for our church. So Marie's not going to stay with us; she's got another um, another errand to do. But uh, uh, you can say hi. Hi, everybody! <laughs> we love you and pray for you. So yeah. All right. So um, I'm going to show. I'm going to try to. Sh- now I'm going to try to do the screen here. So I'm going to share a screen. Hold on a second. I got to get down there. So what I want to do, I want to start out by, um, first of all, I, I'm just going to joke with you a little bit in the sense that if you just come over to Africa, it doesn't matter what time you start and it doesn't matter what time you end. So we, we, we don't work by the clock nearly like you do in the States. Um, this morning we, we got started about 15 minutes late. We had some delays, um, and we just moved things up. You know, it's no big deal. People just adjust. But anyway, uh, it's currently 5 o'clock over here. So um, just to give you a little bit of a of a feel, we are seven hours currently ahead of you. Uh, when you go to Daylight Savings Time, we shift down to six hours ahead of you, and it's summer. So we're actually having a fairly cool day today. It's only got up to about 70 um but we're so we're heading into fall uh in our um in our time. Um but what we want to do is just look at some things that have happened in the last year with you and of course with all of us uh 2020 was a rather challenging year. Um and yet it's probably been the best year um uh, that we've had here um and maybe I would even go so far as to say it's the best year I've ever had in my in my entire Christian life. Um, In March of 2020, almost exactly a year ago, uh, we were forced to go into what is termed level five lockdown. Uh, Basically, under level five, we could not leave our yards other than to go to the store um, or if we were considered an essential worker. Technically, as a pastor, I was an essential worker, though I didn't use that very much. Um, But we couldn't even go out on the streets and run. So literally... Uh, our exercise routine consisted of about 44 laps around our, our property, walking uh, to get a 45-minute um, workout in. The church had to close down, and as a result, uh, we were on online services for the next nine months. Now, a large part of that was due to the fact that um, we were meeting in a school before all of this happened, And the school, the government um, prohibited the schools from renting out to anybody other than the students. So as a result, basically, we had no home as a church, even when lockdown ended about six weeks after it started. Uh, But four things came as a result of the lockdown. And the first was that the economy in South Africa, um, probably the same as with you, it tanked. Um, before lockdown, the official unemployment rate was somewhere in the vicinity of 26%. Uh, recently I heard a report that it's upwards of 38%, almost 39%. Um, and because of that, um, there were many, many families who were, uh, suffering from inadequate food supply. And one of the things that the church was able to do here was to begin a food distribution program. Um, we were quite pleased. We were able to give out about $6,500 worth of food uh, to over 300 families. And one of the things we did with this program was to use the people in the church rather than just having a distribution center type of thing where people could line up and take food. We actually had the people in our churches identify people in their communities who were suffering. Um, We would supply food to the members of our church, and then the members of the church would go to their neighbor's. That opened up a number of opportunities to give out the gospel, um, and each of the packets uh, had at least one tract in them, and so we were, uh, we were able to reach a large number of people that way. Um, because we haven't met very much as a church in the regathering situation, um, even to this point, um, we haven't followed up much with those contacts, but that's one of the things that hopefully, as we move forward in the next month or two, we'll be able to do. The second major thing, as I mentioned in the introduction, is we found a piece of land. It's about seven and a half acres of property, um, and we were able to purchase it as a church. We, we basically share the, the, the property with Village Mercy, although right now all we're doing is meeting as a church like this. Um, we first met on the 13th of December, and we literally met for two Sundays, and we went back into lockdown. Um, and so we had a second lockdown that forced us to go back to the website, uh, but as of this morning, we were able to open again, and uh, we had a, a crowd of about 40 that, that attended the service. Um, so one of the, one of the things that I'm hoping will happen uh, as we move forward is that we will not be having to, uh, to fight so much with the lockdowns, and we're, we're hopeful with the vaccines and so forth that will we'll take place. A third somewhat unexpected result of the Corona crisis was that many in the charismatic churches here became disillusioned. Um, There's a strong prosperity gospel um, group in, um, in South Africa. Um, It's a, it's a country that is just uh, ruled by it. Um, But at the end of when, when COVID hit, Um, The healing centers literally shut down, and I don't know if anybody else finds that ironic, but I do. Um, There were so-called African prophets who predicted that the pandemic would end by May and um, were discredited as a result. And so in our church alone, we have around 10 new people coming to the church, all of whom have come out of the charismatic church. And the picture you're looking at right here is a Bible class that we've started up as a result of this. Um, You can actually see um, several of the individuals, some of the people in this group are from our church because Johannes was teaching this class this week when this picture was taken. But um, a number of these people are fresh out of the charismatic church. Some are still in the charismatic church and are looking for, for answers. Um, And uh, we've been going through John MacArthur's charismatic chaos with this class, a couple of, a couple of weeks so far. And uh, just having tremendous interest and tremendous excitement with it. And then the fourth thing that took place, is, as Matt has mentioned, is the beginning of uh, Village Mercy. Uh, Village Mercy is a residential intensive discipleship program that is set up for men with life-dominating sins, such as addictions to drugs and alcohol. Uh, the program was the dream of our son, Josh. And on this particular picture, it's on your right Um, the only white guy in the picture. Um, uh, seven years ago, he was in a program similar to this himself as a resident. Um, got a lot of help, and, um, and probably would probably was saved. Um, and as a result, he dreamed of of starting a program such as this here. And um, in February of 2020, we decided to move forward. Um, everything was put in place, we got a website together, a number of of things were put into place, we had contacts, and then lockdown occurred and we couldn't start. Um, But as a result, that was actually the means by which we were able to minister to the church through the website. So God was was preparing us for it, we were able to use it to uh, make contacts for the food parcels and so forth. Finally, in November of, of last year, the program actually got started. And it's an interesting little story of how it got started. There was a young lady in another church who had a heart for the street people afflicted by a drug, the, by a drug that took her brother's life. Um, she reached out to two men who said they wanted help. Both of these men went to detox, and upon their, um, their uh, coming out of the detox, they came to the Village Mercy House uh, which began their six-month program. Unfortunately, one of the men lasted less than two days, um, and the, but the other man, Spa, who on this picture is the second from the left. Um, Spa made it through not only the first couple of days, but he's just finished his third month today. Um, so we're excited about Spa. As time has gone on, four others have joined the program. Two of them are pictured here right in the middle next to Spa was SASH, Next to him is Rory Song. Uh, both of those guys lasted about a month. Spa made a very clear profession of faith and has given real signs of growth. Uh, he has a heart to reach out to people on the street, which is, you know, frankly, an area that that we never even dreamed of reaching. Um, but this has been a hard ministry, and certainly there's no guarantee that Spa will continue, though we pray for him daily, Um and so it, 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 with the unemployment rate that we mentioned before, obviously coming out of the program is going to be a challenge to him. So um, you can pray for these. Just just to complete this picture, the guy on the far left is Klakanipo He's the house manager. He's a disciple of Josh, so he's a member of the church. He's actually the guy who started the Bible class with the charismatics. He's a, a, a young man. I, I think he's a young Spurgeon type of guy. He just eats up the word. Um, and is really, really growing, but he's only 20 or 21. Uh, and then the guy in the, I don't know what that says, Bill Ebony shirt, um, he is the work manager and his name is Jabo. And then, of course, Josh is there. Again, mentioning the unemployment rate, um, this, uh, we, there is a work detail that these guys are involved in. Uh, They work five or six hours a day. In addition to that, they're doing intensive Bible study every day. Uh, They have their own devotions. They have a group devotions each morning that lasts for about an hour. Josh Glacani, and I teach that. And then uh, they have some sort of an evening Bible study Monday through Friday. Uh, The picture that you see here is a Tuesday night Bible study. And it is um, designed as a community outreach. So one of the areas that that traditionally has been neglected in addictions counseling is, is counseling uh, family members. And so the goal of this particular group is to reach out to, to the community with people who are struggling with addicts in their homes. The, this is, uh, so this is the, the, the picture that you have there in front of you. Again, this picture was taken this week. We were on holiday this week. So I had several other people taking the, 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 um, uh, the classes for me just uh, for your information, the woman on the very back in the right there with the, the blue mask on that's Lungile. That's Lungile zero. I think you've seen pictures of her in the past, but that's uh, Johannes's wife and she is, or he is the person we're training to take over the pastorate here. So several things you can be praying for, for us. Um, First of all, from the church's standpoint, um, we're meeting in a tent. It's in a wide open field. We found out today that it's extremely windy out there, or it can be. Um, and because it was a cool morning, it was a pretty chilly day for us all. So one of the things that we'd like you to pray for is that God might open up the doors for us to get a, a phase one building of some sort. Certainly, he's able to to put that together this year if that would be his will um, we probably will have to um, request funding from other, other organizations to do that. Um, for secondly, wisdom in discipling of new believers in the church, uh, because we've had this influx, it it's, represents about a 20% increase in the church. Uh, we were laughing this morning because um, just for various reasons, we, we almost had more new people at the church than we had people returning from before covid for Village Mercy, continue to pray for Spa to keep going to either become a part of our church or uh, find another good church. We can help him find another good church. Um, uh, so pray for new men in the program. Matt, you mentioned um, hope, hoping that there would be new individuals in the program. That has not happened at this point, uh, partly because we went on holiday. Um, we had a pretty rough couple of weeks right before holiday, and we we really, really, it was one of the few holidays I've taken where I felt like we really needed to get away. Um, but, um, but God was gracious. He's re- rejuvenated us all, um, and we're ready to go. And so just pray for, especially pray for the vetting process of this, um, that we could figure out a way to, to, to um, try to bring men into the program that won't just run away immediately. And then finally, for us personally, just for faithfulness on our parts, um, we're hoping to return to the states in September for about a six month furlough um, both to raise personal support as well as to present the village mercy ministry to other churches. So um, we're kind of at this point looking at a probably a a, a New England uh, ohio trip in the fall and then maybe try to do something in the west coast in the winter and early spring so, You'll just pray for those things. Um, we'll uh, will we would really appreciate it. Um, if I understand the, the the thought here is I'm going to go and do a, a lesson now, and uh, then if there's some time left over at the end, we'll we'll try to open it up for some questions. Um, just let me look at my watch here. All right. Um, the um, I'm going to go to Psalm 50 with you if you've got a Bible. Just open your Bible. Um, I do devotions with a group of people in the church each morning, and the, the, each Sunday we do one of the Psalms. Um, you can see when we started, so it's been a year ago almost uh, when we since we started this program. And um, this morning we did Psalm 50. So I'm just going to share some thoughts from that we got from our our devotional uh, group this morning, um, and I'm going to just read this. I'm reading from the ESV, but I'll read this passage. Uh, and and then make just a few comments and then go to the next passage. So I won't spend a long time with it. Uh, But Psalm 50, verse 1 says, A Psalm of Asaph, the mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire and around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth and that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. And I've titled this God the judge. He's the judge of all the earth. He is the God of all of the earth and he is the one who will judge all the nations. It says from the rising of the sun to its setting, the day is coming when all the earth will stand before him to give an account, And you see this, I'm not going to read these uh, cross-references and, and i let you read them on your own. But Acts 17, 31, Paul talks about the fact that he will judge the world through Christ. He's, verses 2 and 3, majestic and awesome. When we see God, we always see him in awesome display. When Isaiah in chapter 6 saw him, he fell on his face and deplored himself. You see the same type of thing with Ezekiel and Daniel. Uh, God is an awesome judge. Um, He said to Moses, to see my face would kill him. And when the children of Israel saw the God of Jacob upon Sinai, they asked Moses to appear before him alone as the representative. It was so awesome that according to Hebrews 12, 21, even Moses shook uh, for fear. So as we remember that God is our father, uh, this was one of the things that just struck me this morning, Let's also remember he's a consuming fire. And in verses 4 to 6, he judges his people. And that's really the point of the psalm. Uh, The psalm is not so much about God being the judge of all the earth as God being the judge of Israel. Um, And so that means that not only is he the God of all the earth, but he's my judge too. And we dare not presume upon God's mercy. Uh, I think one of the, the lessons from this passage is the judgment begins at the household of God. God's mercy should lead us to repentance, not to presumption. And the psalm is all about that idea. Moving on to verses 7 to 13 then, he says, Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? God is saying here in this section that it's a great danger. And I think the the lesson of this whole psalm is that it's a great danger to externalize our religion um, and that 's what Israel was doing they were they were living a a, a a religious life, but it was all external and God is not satisfied with such a thing and God essentially says that although they were performing all that was required in the sacrifices, they were doing so without their hearts. I think this is what is is really challenging to us it 's so easy in fundamental churches and bible teaching churches. To fall into this type of a trap. Um, and we need to be extremely, extremely careful in, in allowing the Spirit of God to search our hearts in these areas. Uh, but God is not, not satisfied with an external worship. In particular, God is saying, I don't need your sacrifices, I don't need you to worship me. In reality, worship is beneficiary, beneficiary to the worshipper rather than to God. I don't need you to feed me. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Your sacrifices are supposed to be an indication of a repentant heart that turns away from evil and does good. They're not to be a replacement for doing what's right. And we'll come back to this thought in a in a few moments. But God, David says in Psalm fifty one that you don't delight in sacrifices. You delight in a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Um, God is looking for repentant hearts. God is looking for us to come before him um, in the spirit of, of meekness. As Christians, we, like Israel, are prone to externalize our worship. We sing, we give, we sit and listen to God's word preached. We even say amen to the preacher. And we tend to think that God is pleased because we've gone through these motions of worship. But God's not pleased if our heart is not repentant. Um, I always love this passage in Isaiah 57. I will quote this one. For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell on a high and holy place. And also with, do, do, do you want to complete that sentence by saying with he who is high and holy? That, that's what I expect to come next. But that's not what it says. God dwells with those who are contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. That's what God's looking for from us. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for repentance. Uh, Not to say that we don't strive for excellence. That's not the point at all. It's no excuse here that we can just go about our own way and and live any way we want. But God expects uh, a repentant heart. That's what he's looking for in worship. The next section, verses 14 to, to 20, we'll divide it into two parts but it's proper and improper worship. And in verses 14 and 15, we see proper worship. He says, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Um, it's interesting as we look at this particular section, God gives us three elements of proper worship. The first is the proper First part of the proper worship is that that involves thanksgiving. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, that we need to replace anxiety with prayer, and that prayer includes thanksgiving. It's in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving that we let our requests be made known to God. When we become anxious because of circumstances or because of people, Paul says pray and pray thankfully. And, and I, I want to hasten to add because of the charismatic influence we tend to have around here. Um, he's not saying, and I've heard people pray this way, God, I thank you that you're going to give me what I'm asking for. That's not the point. I don't believe that's the point of Philippians 4, 6 at all. I think rather the idea is it's a picture of submission I thank you for these circumstances and these irritating people because it is through them, Lord, that you are making me more like Christ. And so it's uh, in that regard, much more similar to Jesus' words in the garden, um, not my will, but thy will be done. The second element is the performing of their vows. We tend to think of vows as being something of the Old Testament, um, but we need to understand that we, too, uh, have vows and God expects us to keep them. Uh, he says in Psalm 15:4 that God dwells. The context of this uh, verse four, God dwells with those who swear to His own hurt and do not change. Um, whether it's a formal vow like "Till death do us part," or an informal vow that we say we want to we want to read our Bibles more, or pray more, or deal with a particular sin in our lives, true worship involves obedience. God wants obedient children, not children who try to replace obedience with worship. Do you understand what I mean by that thought? Um, I've said that a couple of times, and I want to just emphasize it. Obedience is, God doesn't want us to come to church on Sunday morning and think that we can worship and make up for disobedience through the week. Um, Too many people... think that, okay, I did something bad. I'm going to make up for it by doing something good. And that's not how God works. God wants a repentant child. And that's the picture that we see here. The third thing that we see is that we're to call upon the Lord. Solomon said in Proverbs 3, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And calling upon the Lord again has that that idea of submitting our ways to the Lord. It's what James talks about. When he rebukes the travelers of his day saying that, that we're going around saying we're going to do such and such and such and such. And he says, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Um, our tendency, our temptation is always to run our own lives. And instead of doing that, we need to allow him to run our lives for us. And These each, therefore, evidence true worship. By contrast, the wicked worship differently. And notice verse 16. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? How dare you talk about my word? That's basically what he's saying. For you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you're pleased with him and you keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free reign for evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. Um, the wicked are worshiping externally without true repentance. They come to church. They they go through the motions. They're they're there, but they're they're wicked. That's what God calls them. Um, this kind of worship. Either indicates that God will simply not accept the worship that you're offering, or it even may be an indication that you're not even saved. These people were coming to the temple, offering their sacrifices while maintaining a life of sin. They themselves showed that they rejected the true teachings of God. They hate discipline and cast God's word behind them. They're speaking God's word. They're talking. They draw near with their lips, but their hearts are far from God. They were secondly associating with wicked people, uh, not performing, not necessarily performing the wicked acts themselves, but they were rejoicing with those who did. Rather than being with sinful people in order to help sinners deal with their sin, they were enjoying, they were taking pleasure in the people in spite of their sin. They were comfortable being in that type of a community. And thirdly, we see that their mouths were full of evil, which shows that their hearts were equally full of evil. Uh, Mark or Matthew chapter 12 says that it is out of the abundance of the heart man speaks. The presence of such evil words, the lying, the slander, the foul language that is depicted here is an indicator of what's going on in the hearts of these people. So coming to the conclusion of the, of the, of the psalm verses 22 and 23, he says, Mark this then you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. Now, remember, I I, got to emphasize this. He's talking to his people here. He's talking to Israel. Therefore he's talking to us. He's talking to the people who come to church, not the people who don't come to church. And he says, Mark this then you who forget God, lest I tear you apart And there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Um, And just in concluding this thought, we need to remember that God is going to judge his people. We all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Romans chapter 13 tells us that we will individually give account And I realize we're passed from judgment into life, and we can be thankful for that. But at the same time, we need to understand that we're going to give an account, and God's not going to take lightly um, our our light worship. Um, Mark it down, he says. Don't forget it. If we don't turn from evil, we can expect God's discipline um, at the very least. And it may even indicate that we're not saved. God demands... Thanksgiving and obedience. and I'll close with the thought. does this characterize our worship? Um, one of the things I've been challenging the, the people here to do and one of the things I'm going to do right now um, and, and one of the things we do in the devotional group, is we actually now then try to pray psalm, the, the psalm that we just read. Um, and so I'm going to do that as we close. We'll, we'll, we'll pray Psalm 50 together um, in our own words and in our own, in our own setting. So let's have a word of prayer as we close, and then we'll have um, any questions that you, you might have for me. Lord, we praise you for being the judge of all the earth. We have seen you faintly, but what we've seen of you in your word amazes us. We're amazed as we see you in creation. This last Friday, we saw the great storm that struck this area and the power that you displayed and and yet, Father, we realize you are far more powerful than the storm itself. So we, like Isaiah and Daniel and Ezekiel, stand in awe of you. You are a great and awesome God. Lord, we also recognize that you're not only the judge of all the earth, but you're our judge. We thank you that we've been, we have been passed from death into life. We have no condemnation to those who of us who are in Christ Jesus. But we also recognize and confess our tendency to presume upon your mercy while that mercy should be leading us to repentance lord we confess where we've worshiped you insincerely and merely externally we confess that too often we've tried to replace obedience to repentance with external religion lord we what we what you require of us is to is a contrite and lowly spirit so lord work in our hearts that we stop trying to worship you without dealing with sin in our lives Confessing it and forsaking it. Lord, we want to offer true worship to you. So, Lord, we thank you for the circumstances you've brought to us. We thank you for the troubles that have come our way. We thank you for that person in our lives who irritates us. We thank you for those situations we're facing that are adding pressure to us because, Lord, we know that through these, you're seeking to make us more like Christ. Lord, help us to be doers of your word and not hearers only. Help us to put off the old man and put on the new. Help us to genuinely place our lives in your hands and repent of your own efforts, of our own efforts, and to direct our pause and, and to let you be our guide. Lord, help us to put away evil. Search our hearts today. See if there's any evil way in us. Help us to hear what others are saying about us because we may well be missing the beam in our own eyes. Show us the things that displease you and work in us both the will and to work of your good pleasure. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice of Christ. We thank you that all our sin is removed and that we will be accepted into heaven, not because we do right, but because his blood washed us from our sin. We thank you that we can come to you with confidence in spite of our many failings, because you have made the perfect sacrifice that forever takes away our sin. And we thank you for these things and pray for them in Jesus name. Amen. All right, I don't know exactly. There's the congregation. I see you. Any questions? We would say in Zulu, Ikona imibuzo.
0: Thank you, Mike. Do we have any questions here? Okay, uh, Mike, if you uh, turn off the screen share. We'll be able to see you a whole lot better instead of the notes. While he's doing that, any questions here for Mike and Marie? Okay, there is Mike. I have a microphone here, or I can repeat your question. Dale.
1: How long is the
0: Village Mercy program supposed to be? Like how many months? Or...
1: So the, the, the there's kind of different phases to it. It's a, it's a five-phase program with phase five being the, the residential uh, part of the program. So that's for people who are really overcome. Um, and the, that is a six-month program. The idea then is to step them down into a phase four, which is more where they're working on their own rather than working with Village Mercy, and that would be probably three months, and then phase three, phase two, phase one until they're out of the program. So it's probably about a year that, um, that would be the ideal situation. Not all people would go through all of that. We have one other man in, a, in, a, in our phase four program, and he's, it's a three-month program, and he's about done with that, um, and so um, he's, he's still working on his own. He's still living at home and, and those kinds of things.
0: Any other questions? All right, Steve, one second. Let me get up there for you.
1: Can you expound a little more on, like Bertrand, the Pentecostal movement? Is it within your own congregation? Is it something that you have to work with and kind of guide? And, you know, how, how prevalent is it within not only your congregation but what you have to deal with? All right. Good question. So understanding a little bit of, of the distinction between Pentecostalism, charismaticism, and prosperity gospel, um, Pentecostalism, traditional Pentecostalism, um, such as the assemblies of God, um, for the most part, still preaches a, a, a true gospel. Charismaticism has radicalized over the years um, where the um, they've gone to this prosperity gospel, which would be Joyce Myers and and a lot of those guys. Um, and, and that is where, you know, the health and wealth, and it gets wilder and wilder and wilder as time goes on, people making all sorts of crazy claims. We had a guy here last year that claimed to raise a guy from the dead, um, you know, just stuff like this. Um, but it's, it's a very, it is extremely prevalent in South Africa. I would say that I, I'm guessing, but I would say 70% of the churches here in South Africa, especially in the black churches, the black townships are probably charismatic slash prosperity gospel. The By, by far the largest, the largest, um, denominations in the country are, are such. Kwakanipo that you saw earlier, uh, he came out of one and I think they're, their, now their their worldwide membership is something like twelve million. Uh, but it's extremely he, he he was actually the 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 leader, worship leader in their church and he explained to us how they would they would solicit money. And it was just, it was remarkable. I, I was joking with him. I said, I think I'm going to let you start soliciting money from our congregation because <laughs> your system is going to raise a lot of money because it puts pressure on people. It's just, you know, if you don't do this, you know, God is obviously not blessing you because, and so you get that kind of a picture um, as far as our church is concerned. Uh, so, so nationally, it's a big problem. As far as our church is concerned, we certainly are, um, we, we've been established long enough that I don't think it's much of a problem for us. So when people come to us, if they're coming out of that type of a background, they are either searching for truth, like the class I showed you, or they'll be there one week and say, this is boring, we're out of here, because there's too much Bible and not enough excitement, Um and so when you, when you look at those, at, at that type of situation, um, it, it, one, one of the most interesting things to me is I think in the first 19 years of our ministry here, we had one person come out of the charismatic church. And that when I say that this was the most exciting year in my, in my ministry, that's what I'm talking about. You know, we've had 10 or more. Uh, we had, we had a whole new family that was out this morning. Um, that I've, I don't know their background. I just, just met them this morning, but it's that kind of a situation that we're, we're seeing, uh, very repeatedly. So, but, but people are looking for truth right now. And there's, there's, there's clearly a movement of God going on. Um, I don't, I don't think I've personally experienced anything like it since the 1970s. I don't know how many of you were saved in the 1970s, but there was a, a movement in, 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 university towns in the United States at that time. And I was part of the, the of that wave. Um, and I haven't seen anything like it since then, but what we're in right now is something similar. So you don't uh, maybe struggle with people coming into your congregation or visiting, wanting to prophesy in your service, wanting to? No. Okay. Now we don't have any problem like that. Right. I had more problems like with that in Athens, Ohio, than I've had here. <laughs> I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you. Great question.
0: All right. Is there anybody else with a question? Okay. We have a question from online. I'm going to let Jansen read that to you, Mike. All right. One of uh, the sisters in our church that's listening online asked this question. What time is it right now in South Africa? How are you and Marie doing health-wise?
1: Okay. So it's 5.37 p.m. We're about seven hours ahead of you right now. Well, I guess we're exactly seven hours ahead of you right now. Uh, both of us are doing well um, uh, health-wise. We both, uh, most of you, I think, know we both had cancer bouts in the last couple of years. Uh, mine was a year and a half ago. Hers was two and a half years ago. Um, as far as we know, everything has been cleared up. I've been having a little bit of uh, of issues here recently, but I don't think it's the cancer. I don't think there's any cancer involved, just having some issues. Um, so, But other than that, we're both healthy. We're both running still. Uh, We're both very active um, and doing well. Thank you for that question.
0: All right. Do we have one more question? So Naomi's question is about the phase one building. What do you have to, to accomplish in order to actually... Do that. I mean, made uh, in, made in yeah. such a structure.
1: So while well, we're what well, we're we're in the planning phases. So I, I I can't give you specifics per se at this point. But basically, we would have to do three things. We we because crime is such an issue in South Africa, we have to have a a good security um, um, operation of some sort. So we need we need a fence. Um, around whatever part of the property we're using. I, we don't need to have the whole seven and a half acres fenced in, but we do need to have wherever we're going to be meeting uh, fenced in. And it has to be a fairly secure fence. Um, that's going to be some money. I don't, I have no idea how much I'm talking. So that's going to be a, a, a significant hit. Um, the second thing we need to do is get all the utilities hooked up. So the, the property that we're on is just an old farm. It's flat as anything. It's flat as a pancake. Um, and it's, it is very, you know, very easy to use. Um, but we need water and sewer and electricity. So that's the second major thing. And then the, the, the idea would be to put up a warehouse of some sort, probably a, a 20 yard, 20 meter by 20 meter, um, warehouse that we would then divide. So that's probably the cheapest way we could put up a building, um, is to, you know, kind of brick it up so far and then put, uh, aluminum and, and and stuff above it and then um, partition off inside and we would we would share it with village mercy at first uh where village mercy would have their dormitories um, and and the goal with that by the way the goal right now we can we can handle about four people in the program um, if we were to able to do that we could probably raise it up to about twelve to fifteen. Um, But then we would have a section that would be open for the worship service um, or for other types of activities during the week. Uh, So that's kind of what it is. We haven't really gotten uh, numbers together um, at this point, but um, that would be probably the cheapest way we could do it.
0: Okay, very good. Um, We don't have time for any more questions, unfortunately. We're going to have to uh, have a closing prayer. And then uh, we'll bid these folks uh, good afternoon there, good morning for us. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, the, allowing us to have this experience this morning. And uh, thank you for working things out so that we could hear and see Mike and Marie. And we could uh, listen to the exposition of the 50th Psalm and get these questions and answers and, and hear the update about different things going on there with their ministry, and Lord, we pray as they uh, look to do a phase one building that you'll provide everything they need and, and good ideas and finances and everything else for that to work for them, and we pray that you would help them secure the property and get the sewer and, and uh, lights and, and all those things that they need as well as the building itself. We pray, too, Lord, for Village Mercy and for Spa and for the others that are ministering there, and we pray you watch over that work and protect them and keep them. Mm-hmm. Lord, that uh, pull of addiction is strong. Mm-hmm. We ask that your spirit would guide each one of them, that they might be able to uh, resist those temptations with a successful application of your word working, uh, worked by your spirit. Bless these ones, Lord, and we look forward to see them, if we can, in the fall sometime when they come, if that's your will as well give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank Mike, you all. We really Mike, appreciate thank it. thank you so much for doing this. We, uh, let's, all, let's all wave if we can. I don't know if you can see that. There you go. <laughs> all right. Good afternoon. God bless you, brother. We look forward to seeing you in the flesh soon, okay?
1: All right. God all right. bless you all as well. Thanks. Have a great worship service.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye now.